hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Drive with Woody Fit. On this episode, we're going to talk about the 16-minute workout to get you shredded, what to look for in a protein powder, and different types of creatine. Now, before we dive into all that, first, let me explain that this show is sponsored by Executive Fit LLC. Now, what is Executive Fit LLC? Well, Executive Fit is my company. I am Woody Fit, and I own Executive Fit. Uh, What we do is a lot of things. Um, We're a personal training company, so number one, that's what we do. Number two, the other portion of what we do is to give. I like to give back. I like to give to people that pay attention to what we're doing and follow us. So, if you want to receive stuff that's good and high quality and useful knowledge, head over to the website, executivefitllc.com, and enter your email in the newsletter tab. That way you can stay right up to date with everything that's going on in the executive fit world. That being said, let's get started. So the first 16-minute workout to get you shredded, there's there's two concepts here that you can use to uh, take advantage of this situation of only having to work out for 16 minutes. The first, the first concept is called Tabata. Tabata. T-A-B-A-T-A. Now, the concept behind Tabata is that you work hard for 20 seconds and then rest for 10 seconds. Now, when I say hard, I mean like really, really hard. 100% exertion for 20 seconds and then rest for 10 seconds. And generally you'll aim for eight rounds for every exercise that you're doing in that workout. So basically what that boils down to is four minutes spent on each exercise and you'll do four different exercises, which leads the total workout time to be 16 minutes. Now, any exercise can be used with Tabata, but you want to focus on exercises that target large muscle groups. So, an example workout would be like push-ups, burpees, air squats, and jump squats, let's say. Those are big, large movements. When I say large movements, I mean movements that incorporate the whole body or a large muscle group. So, like, all of your legs are working when it comes to jump squats. You know, you have some shoulder movement in there because you're swinging your arms. Um, Same with the burpees. The burpees are pretty much a total body exercise, so you've got many many muscle groups work to go through that range of motion. Now, I would not recommend Tabata for beginners because the 20 seconds absolutely need to be 100% intensity. If you're even at 90% intensity with Tabata, you're not going to reap the benefits of only working out for 16 minutes. The intensity has to be there. So if you're a beginner, I would not recommend 
doing Tabata or starting with Tabata before you get some experience under your belt of what high intensity work looks like and now I'm going to put an example of this um, workout in the show notes and the website for that will be executivefitllc.com slash 16 minutes that's that'll be where you can find the show notes for this episode now speaking of high intensity for beginners now like I said Tabata is not exactly the best idea for beginners until you get some experience with high intensity moving under your belt Um, in reference to high intensity we the second concept we have for this 16 minute workout concept is going to be high intensity interval training now you're not going to work out for 16 minutes with this these could actually be as long or as short as you like but the concept between high intensity interval training or otherwise known as HIT, is you'll perform the exercises in the workout in a circuit fashion and there will be three to four exercises per circuit you're going to spend 30 to 60 seconds on each exercise followed by a rest period at the end. Now, the skill level for high intensity interval training is measured with a work to rest ratio. My recommendation for work to rest ratio based on skill level would be like this. Uh, with For a beginner, your work to rest ratio would be 1 to 2. For an intermediate, your work-to-rest ratio would be one-to-one. And for an expert, somebody who's very in shape, your work-to-rest ratio would be two or three to one of rest. So, what does this mean? Well, let's break it down into minutes. For every one minute you're working, you're going to take two minutes of rest at the beginner stage. For every one minute of working, you're going to take one minute of rest at the intermediate stage. And at the expert stage, for every two or three minutes of work that you do, you're going to take one minute of rest. Now, of course, this can be scaled even higher or even lower based on your individual uh, skill level or if you're recovering from an injury or if you're just that out of shape that you need to scale it down which is fine there's nothing wrong with scaling it down everybody's got to start somewhere so I will also put an example of high intensity interval training of each of the levels a beginner example an intermediate example and an expert example on the website at executivefitllc.com slash 16 minutes um on top of that you can find an extensive exercise library on my youtube channel um in the playlist section you'll be able to select a bodyweight exercise playlist and that will have all of the different bodyweight exercises that you would ever need now i understand that there the internet is a big place and my youtube channel is very small so i will not be offended if you get your exercises from somewhere else other than me i'm not like that anyway let's continue so the second portion 
of this episode of Drive with Woody Fit is what you want to look for in a protein powder. Now, uh, the supplement industry is fairly unregulated, and that's what makes it a little bit scary to me. Um, You'll see on labels very frequently, it'll say, not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease, or not tested by the FDA. Um, You know, this means that there's not necessarily anyone testing these products that we're going to be putting into our bodies other than the company that's selling it to you and a lot of companies nowadays just care about making a dollar you know the supplement industry is a seven billion dollar industry they're gonna stop at nothing to sell their products so what can make you feel a little bit safer about this is the fact that there are third-party testing companies that will test products for supplement companies um, upon request. It's not required by law, but some companies will um, have this third party test their supplements for them. And some of the very reputable companies that do this third-party testing is NSF International, United, excuse me, United States Pharmacopeia, Informed Choice, Consumer Labs, and Banned Substances Control Group, or BSCG. Now, I will put a link in the show notes to these companies. I'll put a picture in the show notes with these companies' labels so that when you see these little labels, this is what you want to look for on the protein powder or pretty much any supplement. You want to look to see if it's been tested by a reputable third-party company. Now, the problem, there is a problem with this third-party testing, and it's not really an issue or problem. It's just kind of like something to keep in mind, the fact that these test results from these third-party companies are simply just a snapshot a snapshot in time of this specific product's recipe. So at any point, the supplement company that's making this product that's being tested, they can change the recipe after the test is done and make it cheaper or make it higher quality they so choose but just because products were tested doesn't mean that that's that is exactly what's in it now so you have to be mindful about when this testing was done that's just something to keep in mind i don't think it's anything to really really fret about just keep that in the back of your mind now whey protein is generally the most likely supplement to contain fillers And this is another issue that uh, supplement companies will do is they'll add fillers to their supplements to basically give you more product so that it's cheaper for them to make. They cut it down. Like if you've ever heard of cutting cocaine with like baking soda. I don't know if that's actually a thing. I've never done cocaine and... 
uh, I don't know about cutting cocaine. So if any of you know about that, uh, send me a message and correct me if they don't cut cocaine with baking powder. But uh, from my inexperienced mind, it seems like a good thing to cut cocaine with. Anyway, uh, most supplement companies, I don't want to say most, some supplement companies will add nitrogenic compounds to their whey protein powder or other type of protein powder to spike the protein results in testing. Now, it goes through the test and then the protein content will seem higher. The issue with this is the fact that what they've spiked their supplement with is not complete proteins so it may be protein compounds that they used but because it's not a complete protein including all nine amino acids your body can't use it effectively it's like consuming branch chain amino acids which are only three parts of what's needed to complete a protein there's nine amino acids why wouldn't you just use an essential amino acid blend? But that's a different podcast. We'll get into that into a different podcast. The other thing that they do is, is called amino spiking, which this also bumps the protein content up. And amino spiking is where supplement companies add glycine and taurine are added to their protein powder or their amino acid blend or pre-workout blend or whatever product and adding these amino acids does not add complete protein but it increases the protein profile in testing Um, you need all nine essential amino acids to have a complete protein and those are histidine isoleucine leucine methionine, phenylalanine, threonine, tryptophan, and valine. Now, um, for those of you that are curious, no, I did not memorize all nine essential amino acids. I did have a note card in front of me. You're welcome. Anyway, don't get discouraged by all of this negative talk about protein and and supplement companies adding glycine and taurine to your supplements. Glycine plays a role in the central nervous system, so it is, of course, essential in the body. And taurine is essential in cardiovascular function. So, it's not that big of a deal, and it's not something to really, really worry about. Just know that this could be happening. Now, with your protein powder, the first thing that I do when I pull a protein powder off the shelf is I look at the label. Now, not the front label, of course. That's just made to look appealing and fancy so that you just buy it. I look, and what you should look at, is the ingredients on the back. Read the ingredients list, and if the first ingredient is not whey protein isolate put that protein back on the shelf especially if you're buying a whey protein isolate now if you're buying a mass gainer or um, a blend a combination of like casein and uh, whey 
like I know Muscle Tech had made this protein called Phase 8 that I had used years ago and it was a blend of different proteins from a fast digesting whey isolate to a slow digesting casein so that it would release protein over the course of eight hours. Anyway, if the first ingredient is not whey protein isolate, just put the protein back on the shelf. Um, and quite frankly, you don't really need mass gainers because you should be getting the brunt of your calories from your diet, but that's also my opinion on supplements. They should be a supplement to your diet, not taking the place of an entire meal, such as a mass gainer would. Um, now, that doesn't mean you can't add that type of stuff to a morning breakfast shake or an afternoon shake, but if that is solely what you're consuming, just the powder and milk or water or whatever, then you're doing it wrong, in my opinion. The third section of Drive with Woody Fit is creatine. Now, what is creatine? Creatine is a nitrogenous, 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 I think that's how you say, I think that's how you say it, nitrogenous. Creatine is a nitrogenous compound found naturally in meat and fish. It's composed of three amino acids, methionine, arginine, and glycine. Now, creatine is stored in the muscles as creatine phosphate. And the muscles use ATP for energy, adenine triphosphate. ATP stores can be burned in a matter of seconds. This is where the creatine phosphate comes into play. There are creatine reserves that are converted to ATP fairly quickly. The creatine reserves can only power high intensity all out exercise for about 3 to 15 seconds before they're completely depleted. At which point the energy system that your body chooses to use is taken from another source. So the creatine phosphate system, which is what the system your body uses to create energy during those 3 to 15 seconds of all-out energy, is mainly used in bodybuilding and powerlifting style events. So or movements, or exercise rather, not so much events, just exercise. So, that being said, after 15, 20 seconds, your body starts to pull energy or create ATP from a different method. Now, the reason that you would use creatine is so that you could help build muscle, build the muscle. Now, this is the main reason why people take creatine is to help them build more muscle. And it works as such by giving your muscles more energy, giving your muscles 
the fuel that they would need to create more ATP so that you can train longer and train harder, which in turn will result in more muscle growth and better muscle development. Now, there are um, different types of creatine. Um, the first being creatine monohydrate, which is basically the original version of creatine. It was the first one that was around, and, and it's the most popular to be used. Now, creatine monohydrate requires a sugar to be consumed with it to function properly in the body. So most people will drink Gatorade, well, they'll put their creatine in Gatorade to drink it, the creatine monohydrate, and or they'll use some other type of sports drink to consume creatine monohydrate with. Now, monohydrate requires a loading phase in the beginning, followed by a maintenance phase throughout the cycle. And you do cycle creatine. Now, a loading phase is a few days in the beginning where you take three to four doses a day. And then after that four or five days, you would pull that back to one or two doses a day throughout the rest of the cycle. Now, there are some side effects from creatine monohydrate, which include bloating. A lot of people tend to have gut issues with monohydrate and bloating in the gut, which is, of course, not fun. So if you find that you are one of those people, you should not consider using creatine monohydrate. The next form of creatine that we have is creatine ethyl ester. Now, this requires less total grams of product to be effective, which is why it would it makes it more uh, valuable, I guess you could say. Uh, it also doesn't require sugar or a loading phase during the cycle, which is, to me, quite appealing because you can just start one dose, two doses a day and cycle that through until you finish your cycle. And to me, that's more, um, that's more appealing because I don't drink Gatorade. I generally don't drink sugary drinks, so having to consume the creatine with sugar, creatine monohydrate with sugar, is, to me, it just becomes more of a hassle because now I have to go buy the Gatorade or buy a type of sports drink that I'm going to take it with and yada yada yada. So, um, anyway, that's what makes creatine ethyl ester more appealing, to me at least, is not having any sugar or loading phase. The next type of creatine that we have is called creatine, oh, excuse me, it's called tricreatine malate, and it's made from a creatine monohydrate and malic acid. There's three creatine molecules attached to a malic acid molecule. This makes it more water-soluble than uh, regular creatine monohydrate, and eliminates the bloating side effect, which is super awesome, the fact that it's more water-soluble and eliminates the bloating side effect. It's more bioavailable than regular creatine monohydrate, which means your body can utilize it better, and 
they've said it's more effective at impacting the ATP cycle, which is a good thing because creatine is supposed to impact the ATP cycle. And lastly, the last type of creatine that we have, or that we're going to talk about, is micronized creatine. Now, the purpose of micronized creatine is improved absorption and mixing with water. That's the main focus with it. You will still need a loading phase with micronized creatine and a maintenance phase, but the main goal of the micronized creatine was to get it to absolve better or absolve absorb better in your body and dissolve better in water that does it for this episode of drive with woody fit thank you for listening and spending the time to learn something today on this beautiful wednesday morning I'm your host, Woody Fit, a.k.a. Nate from Executive Fit, and I hope you have an absolutely wonderful week.